how's that all going now? Because you, you obviously there, there was getting a bit of criticism of Speaker only having 12 cars, now you've got 18 cars. Is the grid growing every round or like... It's definitely growing every round, but I don't think it's as quick. It can't, it can't be as quick as everyone wants it to be because there's some the build time is just so big, and, and Pace don't just develop their their time just to do super utes. You know, what I mean, they're doing so much other stuff as well. So we're kind of a fill-in thing for them. Yeah, right. But I'm pretty sure that um, as of like during the week, I heard whispers that it's maybe 21 cars starting, or 22 cars starting next year. Yeah. So that's going to be. Um, Pretty impressive if we can line up with 22 cars because I'm pretty sure that'll even be more cars than Super 2 if yeah. you break them down. Guess what, Brooke? Should I ask? Have you heard that ProApps and Graphics have jumped on board this season as a sponsor? Really? They wrap race cars, right? Yeah, and also corporate vehicles too. Hang on, I'm checking out their website. Damn, these wraps are sexy. You should get your Formula Ford wrapped here. Already booked. For those in need of a new wrap on their car, ProApps is offering $200 off motorsport wraps if any listeners mention on the couch with Hooli. That's a pretty sweet deal for those with an open wheeler, tin top, prod sports, GT, and anything motorsports related, really. Sure is. Check out the show notes for further details on the couch with Hooli fans. Today's special guest sponsor for this episode is Secure Wealth Advisors. What do they do? They give financial advice so you can get the most out of your money, Hooli. They do this by considering your circumstances, helping you set goals, and developing a financial plan to help you get there. They're also mortgage brokers and can look at your current deal and let you know if it's competitive or not. Should I consider this? Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but I know you mentioned buying property. Sure am, and it stresses me out. Well, they have the expertise, experience, and resources to help you get wealth, grow, and keep it safe. And of course, enjoy it so you won't have to stress about things like your mortgage. Should I give them a call? Yep, it's easy. If you're worried about your mortgage in these times of increasing interest rates, for no cost, they'll chat to you for 15 minutes and let you know if your mortgage is competitive or not. Just head on over to the show notes and you'll find all the details there. We would also like to thank our major sponsor, Thrifty Car Rental. If you're looking for a great deal on your next car rental for an upcoming trip, check out their website for the latest offers. You can find all the links in our show notes. G'day, I'm Dan Hooley Hollihan, and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the Couch with Hooley Season 2, which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, eras, and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got Craig Woods, an avid Penrith Panthers fan and race car driver who races for Western Sydney Motorsport in the V8 Super Utes. We will also learn about his journey in motorsports, including his time in supercars and the Aussie racing cars. A family man, Craig's wife Claire, and his two children came along to watch in this interview, and you might even hear a cheer or two in the background. Being a tradie from a young age, he's proven the world that not only can he race cars, but he's also a very successful businessman. On the podcast, you'll hear us discuss everything from football, life away from the track, motorsport politics, racing, and more. Woodsy cuts the bullshit in this interview and tells it how it is in the world of motorsports and football. So that's enough from me. Let's hear it from the man himself, Craig Woods. Yep. yep. Right. Anytime, start. Anytime, start. Yep. All right. Woodsy. Let's talk. Let's talk. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's pretty <laughs> you brought, nice. You brought the whole family along today. Well, this is how we roll normally, so <laughs> why change it up now, eh? <laughs> so how was the trip out here? You were saying off air that it was a fair drive and whatnot. Yeah, it was a fair drive. Brookvale and Manly and Narrabeen, all those places is for far enough, the furthest place for us from Western Sydney to travel, really. For Sydney, it's a bit of a pain in the butt. Here we go, spit, get her up there. Or go a long way through Chatswood. But at the end of the day, I got here and get stuck into the Google Maps and try and make a race out of it. <laughs> With the kids in the back. Yeah, yeah. No, I was sleeping anyway, man. They got the TVs on. They're happy as Larry. Dozing in and out. Um, so i got to know, where did Craig Woods grow up? Me, he grew up in um, Mount Druitt pretty yep. much. My parents' first home was in, was in Tregear. Yeah. Um, did, you know, probably until I was 13 or 14 there and then moved off to the, the Golden West, eh, and Penrith and they bought a house out that way and the rest is history, eh. Grew up in 
you know, Claremont Meadows, uh, Kingswood High School, Kingswood Public, um, yeah, public system. What, what did you? What did your dad do for work? What did your dad and your mum do? Oh, mum was kind of until we were in high school, she was pretty much at home, and then she kind of worked at Target and that kind of thing. Worked in class, and then dad was um, was a courier driver, really. Yeah, taxi driver in the early days. Did a bit of um. When KFC had their delivery, when didn't have Uber yeah. and stuff like that, but they had the delivery, he was doing a bit of that, make make ends meet. And then uh, me and him, he got a job as a sparky with one of his mates because he used to work on the weekends and then um, got the offer to go and actually do an apprenticeship. Yeah. And we actually did our apprenticeship at the same time. He went on a Monday, I went on a Friday. Together, yeah, huh? yeah. mad, but he, he finished good. it long before me. I was too much of a playboy, wanted <laughs> to get out and have a bit of fun, and <laughs> failed a few things. Where he just kind of cruised through and, and, yeah. got, and got qualified long before me. Yeah. Yeah. What about your family? Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I got a sister, she lives in up the mountains. She's married, two kids, and you know, we had a pretty good upbringing in that, bouncing off each other, being the protective, you know, brother, and all mm. that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, we still keep in contact. Pretty close family and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. What's what was your school like schooling going for you? Was it were you like the kind of do to draw draw cars in the book and do your own thing, or were you like the popular bloke? What do you school? reckon? I reckon you're the popular bloke. Yeah, I was the class clown. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy and less people were laughing at me. I didn't care if it was with me or at me, as long as they were laughing, I was happy. <laughs> Nothing's changed like- really, eh? <laughs> yeah. we, we, you were you were you are a huge footy fan. You literally just paid out the bears as yeah. you came <laughs> as you came onto the podcast. Maybe said it's not in the view of the camera, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it was so you were a, you were a football fan before a race car driver, and you'd like you a tradie to begin yeah, with. Yeah. Um, was football the way out for you from growing up as a kid? Did you want to become a professional footballer? Yeah, I guess so because, like I said, we'll. Family was a bit of a battlers, you know what I mean? We never really had much and footy was cheap, you know, it'd be 50 bucks a year to play footy, some footy boots and off you went, you know, so it wasn't a massive cost sport. So footy was just, that that was all we lived and breathed. But as I grew older and stuff like that, cars and then the racing, the V8 supercars and I always loved Russell Ingle and stuff like that. And then that kind of transpired into you know, when we were old enough to drink, we'd kind of go out to the racetrack and we'd go to Indy when it was Indy cars and things like that. And then... Um, Did you go yeah. to Island Park as well? Yeah, I used to sit up there with a the tent and <laughs> early in the morning and spend all day there on a Sunday. It was great times, eh? Yeah. What do you miss about, like, Island Park, though? Oh, to tell you the truth, racing carts there, I reckon, eh? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they getting out there on a Sunday morning and ripping the cart out of the trailer and... Yeah. yeah, having some fun. You did it was a great you, track. Was it supercuts that you did first, or was it the sprint carts? No, I did. I did the um, sprint cart stuff with the AK first. Mm-hmm. About I think I got my license when I was twenty four or twenty five. I think it was two thousand and nine. Yeah, so I was a bit of a late bloomer. And then um, yeah, did that for about three years, and then just wanted to go do that long track stuff. So got me uh, cams or double ASA, I think mm. first, and then when I did some of that stuff with the Rotax, just put a, you know massive gear on it and. Maybe you just rev for a couple of hours and <laughs> yeah. then you kind of get oh, a little bit bored of that kind of thing and I thought, oh, let's go car racing. So, yeah. yeah, that was into that. Back to Russell Ingle. Why did you find like Russell Ingle intri- intriguing over like Scaife and Jim Richards and all those guys back then? What, what oh. made you like idolise him as a driver though? Well, I think Jim Richards was a little bit older. Mm. So kind of Russell Ingle was not really in my age bracket, but when growing up, like he was like, you know, at the top of his game. And just his attitude and, you know, his will to win and just the way he, he was, like there was no – he didn't hide behind anything. Anything he wanted to say, he said it and, you know, it, and his actions followed. So I, I just love that about him, eh? He was mm. a bit of an enforcer, you know, how can you not love the dude, eh? <laughs> he was consistent though, wasn't he? Yeah. Just pumping him yeah. out. And- he never, like, he never, like, set the world on fire in, in, in the supercars, but he was always there, you know, on the podium and stuff like that. I think the year he won, won the championship, I don't think he even won a race mm. meeting. Um, so, yeah, but he got it done in the end. Mm. Mm. You're a bit like that, though, with your, with your Ute championship at the moment. You've always been there, but you haven't won the championship. We'll, yeah. we'll touch on it later, but you've, you've always been there. With your results, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aussie cars, we were a bit more because we had, you know, the, the it was all in our own hands. Everything was in-house. You could kind of manipulate the results and if it didn't go your way, it was on us. But <clears throat> with the Ute program, we'll talk about it later, but 
we kind of had other people running the cars for us and other teams and things like that, which, you know, at the end of the day, that's how you got to start, I guess, in that kind of a, in that kind of environment. Yeah. I've got to know, we were talking about this for a while. What's the controversy with Aussie racing cars going on? Oh, how much time you got? <laughs> well, we got a bit of time. <laughs> yeah. I want to know because I don't. I want to know what's going on because it's it's there and then it's you know what I mean. Like Aussie racing cars is there in front of the main stage and it disappears again. Yeah, yeah. And it comes back. Do you know what I mean? And then you guys, Western City Motorsports, a predominant team, is there and then disappears. So mm. what's what's the what's the go with that whole thing? Do you know? Oh, what I mean? look, there's a lot of you know the kettle calling people calling the toaster black in regards to the rule books and and you know walking the fine line when it comes to motors and car eligibility and things like that where WSM's been probably put in the limelight of being the cheats mm. I'm going to say it but you know at the end of the day if you're not if you're not out there looking at trying to um keep your engine program and, and, and your longevity of your motors, then you probably need your head red because you're not going to go out there trying to win races and having motors blow up at the same time because they don't work in here when it comes in championship. So if you're out there doing certain things to make the motors last longer but you're not increasing the horsepower, then what's the problem here, you know what I mean? Like yeah. realistically, I know I'm going to name names from here on in, but yeah. this category we're talking about as You hinted on Facebook what was yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, well, they kind of had – they have their certain. They have their engine builder. Yeah, but I guarantee they're they're probably getting something out of it. So they want you to send it there all the time. Yeah, to get rebuilds and freshens up heads or whatever you know. Mm. So it's in their best interest to to have those motors coming in and out of there. But you got people. You know, I'm not going to name names. Calling Pete. Calling uh, WSM cheats mm. when realistically that's like the kettle calling the toaster black. Yeah, you know, like. We've never proven like the team's never been actually caught out being cheat doing cheats before, but hey, we've been You really so you just been you've pretty much your team's been highlighted yeah, as like yeah, the cheats, yeah. but never actually proven it. Well the thing that they got caught out for mm. in the motor, which was just a baffled sump, the one of the people that put the protest in, mm. they 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 work closely with him and one of his mates to build that. Yeah. To, to get the blueprint for that baffled sump and then mm. all of a sudden he hasn't got it in there. Hold on a second. You know, this is a witch, honey. Yeah, you know what I mean, right. someone knows something that we didn't know. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that pisses everyone off the most, though. Eh? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, wow. Especially when you've got someone like Tomo who bleeds and, yeah. you know, puts his heart on his sleeve and invests so much money into to people going out and having a good time racing hard mm. to kind of be – Kicked in the ass like that, it's a bit leaves a leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I don't care what side you you coming from here. Mm. Yeah, I got it. We Tomo's heavily invested in, as you said, not only your career but obviously Blake. There's many many drivers yeah, that I want to get. Charlotte, all those like there's so many people that have have would have been long gone if it wasn't for him. Yeah, I got to I got to come from your point of view. Like you met him and he essentially like helped change your life, not mm. just from your family aspect, but your racing as well. Like yeah. he's a rare gem. Can you explain? Cause he's not very talkative, but when he does talk, it means something. Can you explain in the community what he does to help not just Aussie race cars, but the team that you're in now with the Utes? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you touched on, he, he pretty much helps everyone out. But when it comes to Tomo, he, um, doesn't matter if it's football, if it's broadcast, if it's us personally, even in our lives, you know what I mean? Like he's the first one to go, no, well, you don't do that. You to go take this, this will be better. And you go, what do you want for it? You go, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry, we'll sort it out later. Or, you know, I'll go over and help him out. That's the kind of bloke he is. He's just an old school kind of guy that you wouldn't know if he's if he's worth a million dollars or a dollar because it's just the kind of bloke he is. And, mm. you know, us as a family, you know, we've – moved on and bought houses and done this and done that and even business sense he's helped us out in that way as well that you know we've bettered ourselves not only as friends and and in the motorsport scene but mm. business and building you know mine and Claire's future and things like that without knowing he you know he, he kind of influences you like that as well you know yeah yeah, and he's obviously you guys are huge fans, like fans of the Panthers. You yeah, guys yeah. go to games, you go to the box, which I'm really keen to go to. Yeah, yeah, the Panthers yeah. are essentially they're my second team because I go for the Bulldogs. Oh, but yeah, is that right? rivalry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> second though, that's second. Yeah. Team. Yeah. <laughs> I've, always had, I've always had a fame for the for the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to know, like, with you guys, the Panther thing. Obviously, it's on the Western Sydney Motorsport thing. How did um Tomo? 
like get involved in the in the Panthers? Like, how did that all come about? Because they were struggling for a long time in the around two thousand nine, two thousand eight, and then from twenty twelve onwards, they got you know better each year. Is that has he developed the Panthers like he has the race team in a way? Like, oh look, I guess his money and the way he's brought Hertz into work because I know like it's probably not all his money that mm. you know Hertz probably corporate probably does something there, but his money and the way he organised that sponsorship and then getting like. Obviously, Phil Gould's got a lot to do with that, the, mm. you know, building that centre of excellence and getting that kind of that grassroots stuff happening. So, you know, when one guy leaves and goes to the Bulldogs, <laughs> there's another one there to take his space, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that passion that he's got for the, the team growing up as a little fella like me, you know, you just love the Panthers. You lived and breathed the Panthers because, you know, that's where we're from. Yeah. That he's been able to, you know, bring dollars in to help build those things that we spoke about, you know what I mean? So I um, guess that, yeah, he has he has a fair bit of a, a – re- he's a fair bit of a reason why the, the Panthers got a fair bit of success is because of the passion that mm. he has from, you know, being younger and his family and all his parents and all that. We all followed it. So yeah. he's just kind of kept it going. Yeah. yeah. And they've got that full – they've got that combination going, which I like about the Panthers this year with the Cleary. Mm-hmm. Co- like there's just the dynamic – the way I like the thing, the thing that I like about football is, which you would like too, is just the way the Panthers organise their staff to keep the team going. Do you know what I mean? Like the drop Serrato to the Dogs. Yeah, dogs yeah. is just the second team yeah, for the yeah, Panthers. Yeah, that's right. Canterbury Panthers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the way that the way that they set up the team is it just exciting for you as a fan and having Tomo involved, see the team just like stay at the top. Yeah, you know yeah, hundred percent. And Tomo being who he is to the Panthers allows me to be in that inner sanctum as well because he's always I'm riding on his coattails all the time. I don't know. I got no. I'm saying that, yeah, because it allows me to do what we do, and you know, be be more a part of that team that we love. But um, yeah, so I don't know how they do it. Just the way, like you've seen in State of Origin time, where they'll have seven or eight players missing, and they'll go play the Bulldogs for yeah. everything, and they'll beat me pretty much a full squad Bulldogs team, which you know, at the end of the year, you were going pretty good, yeah. Uh, beat the Tigers with eight of their story origin players missing and things like that. Like, I just don't know how, like, that next person up mentality, how they make it work so well. Mm. Yeah. And you're coming from that football background. You won two comps, didn't you? Back yeah, back when we, yeah, one with St. Mary's and one with Penrith, yeah. yeah. Both league. Yeah, yeah, both league. Yeah, yeah. I've no check. time for anything else, no. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby, no interest, yeah. No, no interest. That's what you're getting at, yeah. <laughs> bit boring. And Tim Grant was your cousin. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, like, how... Timmy got to the Panthers and you were, were you playing with him at all or not? Really? No, no, he was heaps younger than me. He's about five years younger than me, four years younger than me. But yeah, he, he um yeah, he worked really hard, eh? There's there's no doubt in that. Like he um he probably wasn't the most talented fella out there, but his work ethic and his drive, you know, pretty much got him to St. Mary's back when um St. Mary's had the um Oh, what do they call it? The, the St. Mary's had their own team as well. Oh, was it the Mounties team? I can't remember what it was. No, it was St. Mary's Saints, but yeah. they they played in with Penrith and Windsor, I think. The Wolves oh, the were Windsor in it, Wolves. Things like That's that it. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And he was the captain of that team bring, coming up as well and just, just worked harder and harder. And then all of a sudden he's popped up in the, in the first grade squad eh, and, and made the most of it too. Did, yeah. Tim, did Tim play – in the Toyota Cup or the Holden Cup, or did he go straight from reserve? Was oh, that the time where there was the Holden yeah. Cup? Or was it just I don't think that NYC was in then. I think that was like just before he kind of come through a grade. I think he would have had to come through playing park footy mm. rather than playing, you know, in that comp there, which would have made it a bit easier, I reckon, too. Yeah. Yeah. And with your, with your family and all that, did you guys used to play footy over Christmas and stuff? What's your Christmas yeah. feeling like over when you, like even now, is is your wife and all that, do you have like a big family Christmas? Yeah, like- Christmas is full on, eh? Like, <laughs> you need Boxing Day is Claire's birthday. Yeah. And that's kind of the day we can have a rest, you know, because it's like, you know, you got three or four parties going, especially if Claire's parents are down from Queensland. Yeah. We'll just probably three or four get-togethers in the one day. And then finish it off with a mad piss up at the end with, yeah. with that side of the family that loves to get out and drink, you know. Do you have to travel far? Is it all out in Penrith? Nah, well, if Claire's parents are down, they, they do have some family in Ermington and things like that. Yeah. So we might travel back and forth from there. But most of it's, you know, that kind of Penrith area, yeah. 
I've got to ask, how did you actually meet Claire? Because Claire's one of the nicest ladies in the pits. Yeah, so. well, I went up there on a boys' <laughs> weekend and she was at a strip club, yeah. working at a strip club, and then, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> nah, she came up. I was working in Brisbane about four months beforehand and I met a fella through another workmate and then he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, let me know when you're coming back up. Okay, yeah, all right. And then we, we organised a boys' trip with a few of our boys and went up with four of us from Penrith to um, the Gold Coast for a weekend, long weekend. Mm. And he goes, oh, I'm coming down, but I've got to bring my girlfriend and, and one of her friends. Like, hey, more than Mara, cool. Mm. And then, um, yeah, from the first time we, you know, we saw each other, we were pretty keen on each other and yeah. spent the whole weekend chasing each other around. And Yeah, yeah right. Was yeah. that during the Gold Coast 600 or was nah, that? No, nah, no, that, um, that was like, I can't remember when it was, but it was about, August or something. No, it wouldn't have been August because anniversary is in <laughs> April. So it would have been, would have been April then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the 10th of April, there you go. Yeah. The most important date to remember. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that's actually our wedding anniversary too because yeah. we got married 10-year anniversary. Mm. We got married, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty easy to remember both. Hey? I've got to go, go back to your karting thing. Most go-karters, like you, met you, I met you through Blake Skibiris. How did you, like with the go-karting, I know you started at a late age and you did two-stroke for a bit, but what was your like mindset? Obviously you couldn't, you couldn't afford it obviously back then and how did you just go like, fuck it, I just want to get a go-kart? Do you know what I mean? And what class and what made you, the competitiveness from your football football days, how did you want to approach your go-karting before Tomo came aboard? Yeah, well, um, I guess it was me, like we touched on before, going, getting on the drink and watching the race cars, mm. kind of get sick of that. And at about 23, 24, I went, you know what? And I just Googled how to get into karting and it pops up, AKA, go get a license. So went and did all that kind of jazz. And then, um, yeah, got stuck into it. First race didn't go too well, but you just keep keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then once you get a good result, eh, it's like – it's like a drug. You just got to keep going, eh? And it just costs you a lot of money. <laughs> Do you remember what go kart you bought, though? Do you remember like the characteristics of what kart it Actually, was? Actually, funny enough, I bought it from a mate and it had a clubman on it, and it was, I think it was half decent clubby. It was one of those 100s, the old ones. Yeah. And it come with a, a what was the founder of the Aussie cars? Um, Wardy. Oh, what was Phil his Ward. name? Phil Ward. Yep. So it was Phil Ward. Turbo special or something that had printed. I don't know what kind of kart it was, mm. but I think he used to run karting days before Aussie racing cars. So it was a super old go kart. Yeah, I remember I um I bought that. Went out there, went out to Eastern Creek a few times, and then upgraded it to an AX nine or AX eight with AX nine side pods or something like that. We'll do yeah. it pretty cheap. And then that shit itself, I blew. I seized up the clubby, so we went and bought a Rotax, and then started racing in that tag restricted. Mm. Heavy thing, yeah. What did you get into, like, back to your work thing? What did you get in towards, like, before excavating? What did you – you were doing spark – was it – No, I'm sparky. I'm sparky the whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Blake's gone on done excavating. Blake worked for us as sparky, as, oh, like, a so labourer okay. kind of thing. He was, he started as an apprenticeship and then I think he just gave it up mm. and then worked with us as sparky for four or five years mm. and then – his body started letting him down. He was always complaining about his back. Whinging, you don't understand my back, my back. And then he's gone out and done his excavating thing. So, <laughs> yeah, so he's doing well for himself too. He's gone out there and he's got, you know, a heap of trucks, heaps, heaps of um, excavators and a big property and he's having a real swing, eh? Good yeah. on him. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, so you've always been a sparky. Was it Was it always a smooth transition once you got to where your dad was or did you did your dad, did you start your own business or work for someone? Like how did that all work? Oh, I kind of, um, through my apprenticeship, like we touched on before, I was a bit of a wild fellow. Eh? I didn't, I just wanted to have some fun and do all that stuff and work kind of came second. Mm. But once I kind of got that sorted and you grow up a little bit and you start, you know, working on your future and things like that, um, dad kind of offered me over to where he was working and he had partners. It was a three-way partnership and he kind of bring me over to that. And once we kind of worked, started working together, it started to build from there and then he got jack of, you know, having partners and things like that and went, you know what, pay me out. I just want to go do my own thing. Mm. And I jumped over with him and we started to build Amp out of what it is today, yeah. Yeah, and it's just yeah. – who so is it you at the top now running it with a few guys? Or? Yeah, we've got a few guys and then bring in, the, you know, the labour when we need it. Yeah. Yeah, so me and David just bounce it and work <laughs> with each other every day and, you know, yeah. it might not be together but we're always on the phone. Or, yeah, so pretty lucky to be able to work with my old man, eh? It's pretty cool. Do you have multiple trucks or – Anything yeah, like well, we, we, we've got like 
probably four company cars out there and um, the rest like subbies and things like that, they just have their own cars, apprentices, they just have their own their own shitters they bring to work every day. Are you day. guys working on, um, is it new homes, big nah. construction? Yeah, what? more yep. of that bigger com- yep. commercial stuff like the supermarkets and department stores or the moment we're doing a thing at Macquarie Park, it's a big um, uh, like a soccer club. Yeah, things like that, you know, like the where you're there, you know, for at least three or four months at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, full just decking it out from, mm, from stuff. Yeah, from the ground up. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, so that's our kind of thing. Yeah, so it's not massive, massive, but it's that's where I like to be. I hate doing working with customers and you know jumping, climbing through roofs and doing that kind of stuff. I have no time for that. You said you had your kids swimming this morning. Um, you said you're a bit of a swimmer yourself. Can you actually tell me a bit of like your swimming background and what was going on there? Was uh, that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, I think through school I was like, you know, I think I've even got the medals still. I was like senior boys swimming champion and things like that. Mm. But I think I only really ever did it because it got me out of going to school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you know, yeah. those days we could go to school, so I only did it for that. As soon as I didn't have to go to school anymore, swimming was just the thing I did on in summer. You know what I mean? I never really followed it up after that. Did so. you do it outside of school at clubs or just school level? No, nah, it was just always that school level yep. stuff. And then you know we might do a bit of training, go to go to the local pools and do a bit of training before we go to like a regional thing or something like that. But I never really did it like anything out of school. With you, with you, we'll go back again to the racing. We like to go back and forth to the podcast. Yeah. Um, with with supercarts, how does that all work? Is because Brooke come out there and she's like, "You guys just turn up." A, they're really quick and they're just out of nowhere. Did you have the full supercart with the whole aero stuff on the side, or was it just your Rotax that you drove around? It was just the Rotax, but I got I made a um like a full nose cone for it. Mm. Got it to about an extra twenty k's an hour or something down the straight. It was really helpful. So how fast were you going? I was still only probably at Eastern Creek, maybe 160 or something. It's not 155. It's not massive. Mm. Yeah, compared to like the those the boys with the big um, the five speed, the big two fifties or whatever box. they were, the, the six speed things, and they were cracking 220 or something, 210. Yeah, they're pretty nuts, eh? And you, you were in that. You were like in the fight for a championship, weren't you? When you were doing it? Yeah, I was in the fight for that New South Wales championship and back and forth with this fella. Been it for for years and years, and um, then an opportunity to, to buy an Aussie car come up, and we left that. We just went, you know what? We don't want to be there. Mm. We don't bought an Aussie car. Entered for I think the last uh, round of that championship at uh, Homebush. Yeah. And it kind of was a couple of weeks beforehand was the last round of the New South Wales Championship for that and I just went, no money for that. Let's forget about it. Let's just go to gay circuit racing with the car. I've got to ask, how was your experience with Homebush? Because that was a pretty cool track. Like what did you – that was your first race, was it? Yeah. At Homebush. Yeah. So how was it? Was it – were you overwhelmed at oh, all yeah, or not really? Oh, yeah, for sure. I was way in the deep end, eh? <laughs> you know, and it was like back in the days where there was like 40 Aussie cars and things like that and we finished like 20th, I think, so mid-pack mm. for the first race meeting overall. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, it was like – Full, like you get to the grid and you're like, oh, shit, I need to piss. And you piss five minutes ago, no, I need to go again. You know, like, <laughs> it's like you're just fully sweating bullets the whole time. <laughs> you know, now I just get a little bit nervous every now and then if it's a big race meeting or something, but not like I did in that first race meeting, that first race meeting we did, eh? Yeah. Pretty crazy. And great, Grant and Craig, were they your teammates? How was was it WS? No, it was there was another. It was called another team back then before. Yeah, team. we were like Team CMW. So it was Claire because Claire's got the same initials as me. Same, but Claire Megan White, Craig Mark Woods. Yeah, so right. we just had that going, and um, that we pretty much funded all our racing ourselves back then. Mm. And then that's when we met Tomo and things like that, and we just went like, "Mate, I'm I'm done after this. It's just getting way too much." Mm. And that's how that kind of formed after that. So it was probably about three years of doing our own thing mm. in the cars, two or three years with the backing of various companies and things like that, like 10 grand here, five grand there, a little bit from our own business and things like that. But it was really hard, yeah. Mm. Mm. How did you meet the Thompsons though? Like, um, how, how did that all come about? Was it through motorsport or was it just through pen, like the, the community that you're in? I didn't even know they existed until they rolled up on the grid in Adelaide. I forget what year it was and I just saw Thompson. I saw Craig Thompson and I went, is that the guy that got caught in the strip club? from <laughs> That, that um, <laughs> the, um, it was Gold the, Coast? no, no, he was the guy from, uh, from the parliament. 
Oh. Craig Thompson. He had that oh, uh, Union th- credit card and he got oh, dumb right. in the strip club spending yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. And I thought, oh, shit, this guy's racing. How's it? What's that? <laughs> and then I worked out. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, Thompson. Got to pee. He was Thompson. I go, oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even know he existed before. Yeah. And yeah. then how then the, had the, the, the friendship go on from there? Like, that like, was just all. I reckon it was mainly the footy based thing. It was like, oh, yeah, we'll go. Watch the footy at race meetings like Tassie. I'll plan for playing Sunday night, mm. Saturday night. We'll go have some dinner and watch the game together. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of just, you know, blossomed from there, eh, with the family and, you know, really got to know the the personal side of the Thompsons and Monty and his kids and, you know, his parents and sister and all those kind of things. And, mm. and then it kind of just went from there, yeah. And you were saying that you were going to decide to leave motorsports, weren't you? And that's when Craig chipped in. Is, yeah, that, is that what happened? So you yeah. were like, you're kind of over it because it is expensive. Yeah, that's right. Like short, yeah, short, long, long, long story short, yeah, that was just sitting in a box one day and I was like, man, I think I'm done. It's getting too expensive, yada, yada. And he's like, oh, you can't do that kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. And then it was kind of like a couple of weeks later, it was Bathurst and I remember he uh, he crashed the car going over the top and he was mm. and he was pretty deflated and um, – He's like, no, we're done, we're done. And I go, oh, me and my old man looked at each other and he's look, we'll give him a hand. And Claire gave him a hand and we all got him back out on the track. And and after that he was kind of like, Woodsy, I'm really thinking about doing my own team and all that. You know, you th- you're interested in like coming and maybe we'll have a chat about it and all that stuff. And, yeah, as soon as we had a chat about it, he, it was full steam ahead, hey. And then that's where it went from there and that that's when the Aussie race cars thing came on. That's when that came on, yeah. And our first round was uh, Highlands – Highlands Motorsport Park, yeah, there in uh, in the South Island, and uh, we won the first race meeting out, there the, out the team, box. Out the box, yeah, we were fast. We were lucky that um, I think it was Pingle had a crash or something with Peter Carr or something like that. I always would have finished first, second for the weekend, mm. but we'll still take the win, eh? Yeah. So, but we were quick, you know what I mean? It was we were all Dyson for the racing and stuff like that, and we we're just lucky that they those two had a bit of a bingle and. And took them out of that weekend. What's the what's Highland Motorsports Park like though? Because it's it's there and not there. Like people have seen it and heard it. But what was the experience like going over to you for you guys as a team being there? Like what's Tony Quinn set up there really? And I reckon it was a hectic race track, eh? Yeah. Great facilities. It was a massive track. Like it must have been twenty something corners. Mm. When you first go out for the site lap, because I think we went out the we raced Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the Thursday we were allowed to drive the cars on the track. And um, we went out there and we're like, shit, man, how are we going to learn this track, eh? Like there's so many corners. This is before Tail and Bend. Mm. Oh, fuck, it's going to take ages before we work out when we're going left, when we're going right because he's like, dun, 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 over the back, come it. it was crazy. Mm. But, um, yeah, once the racing got started, it was just a, an awesome place, to, especially for Aussie racing cars, eh, because it's just one of those kind of cars you can just rag, you don't have to worry about tyres, you don't have to worry about any deg or anything like that or, you know, heat soak or anything like that. So it was a really awesome track for them. I don't know why we haven't gone back there again because I thought we put on a great race meeting too. Mm. You know, can you explain that when I remember when you guys turned to a state race meeting, can you explain what happened that time there? That was just really random. Remember? Which one was that? You raced, I think it's 2018 or 19, you guys all turned up to do a state race meeting at Sydney Motorsport Park and you were like, I don't know, was there something? Because that was when you guys were always on the supercar calendar, I think. And then you turned up and you were like, you were a bit confused, like, why are we doing the state meeting? Yeah. Do you remember that time or not? Yeah, really? I think I do remember that one. I think, I think the Sunday was really wet. But yeah, I don't, I think that, I think, I think that they, they can't, with supercars, they can't always pick and choose which round they want. And sometimes they'll just miss out and they'll just have to fill the calendar with something. And mm. I don't know whether ARDC pay them to come to one of those meetings because it's state, state, kind of rounds are run a little bit differently and we're not really used to that kind of, you know, you lose a lot of track time. Yeah. When you go to the state, if there's a bingle or something, it take because they don't have the recovery stuff available, you know, you might mm. lose two or three laps instead of one lap racing and and things like that. You just don't get enough track time. Yeah. Mm. What's, do you, do you, have you had any big moments in Aussie racing cars? Like have you had any big accidents or not yeah, really? Yeah, that's a massive one, so. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me something? We're lucky to have kids if I've had that many accidents. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first one was um, I think my first full year, Bathurst, I think it was round two. Come off a really good um, Adelaide. So I think Adelaide was my first, second round. 
So my third round, I had a massive bingle at, at Bathurst at turn two, going mm. up up the hill there. And um, it was that big. My wheel ended up like 400 metres up the hill, up the hill like it was that far. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the guy that – other guy I was um, – we had the crash with, he got airlifted to the hospital. Holy shit. Yeah, so it was pretty big. And I ended up with the blackest nuts you've ever seen after that. It <laughs> <laughs> was before hands devices too, eh? So really? Yeah, I was really lucky, eh? Holy shit. So yeah. you're lucky, lucky to escape that. Yeah. What, what's the feeling like in Aussie racing car, like compared to – I race open wheel obviously, but what's – is there enough impact that you can – like your body doesn't take that much – or are you going to get hurt anyway? I don't know. I think it just hurts. Hey, I've never had a crash in open wheel, but I imagine it's going to be the same, eh? It's just that stop bang. Oh, <laughs> that, oh, shit. And then it's over. Like, it doesn't – I could – people go, what does it feel like? Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of it's over. You know? <laughs> quick and fast. Yeah. You don't even know what's happened. You just sort of finished. Yeah. yeah. Like, within two seconds, you stopped anyway. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. But you've walked away from all of yours in general without broken bones or concussions. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know about concussions part. You're always pretending you're all right just in case the car's all right and you're right to yeah. go again. So Sounds like Dan. But <laughs> there's definitely times I've gone to Cleo, hey, can you chuck me some Panadol because, you know, you've got a bit of a headache yeah. and things like that. But you're not going to put your hand up and say, oh, I've got a headache and then that's it. Your you're weekend will be done if the car's still good to go. So Yeah. Do you still play park footy at all or not really? Nah, no, no way. That's I don't even have time to really run around and do much <laughs> training or anything like that, you know. Yeah. I'm just working dad, you know, they keep us pretty busy. Yeah. What, what's it like being a dad? Like as I was saying to you as we were getting on air, like the mindset, for me it's really hard to change mindsets, but you, you know what I mean? Like you can focus on the cars and you got, you know, your wife and your family and then how do you, how does it feel to be like a dad to A, run your own business, race cars and do all we do? Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's really, really testing. Like it's hard times, but you know, Claire does a great job at home and with at the racetrack as well. And I don't know, I just I can be, I can have Maddie on my shoulders, give it to Claire, jump in a race car and go racing. Like it doesn't, I don't need to switch a switch off or anything like that. Just kind of jump in, ready, ready to go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Did you look up to your dad there when you were growing up? Like, was he was he good at giving father advice and stuff like that? Or yeah, not? yeah. I still look up to my old man. You know, every Father's Day, I always thank him for. Everything that we've got today, you know, I mean, he, he paved the way for for us and his, you know, sacrifices and things like that. I was yeah. growing up, like I spoke about him, you know, doing double two or three jobs, trying to make ends meet, things like that, stuff that we don't have to do now because, you know, they've done that. So we've been able to yeah. – so I'll definitely look up to him. He's, he's probably, you know, he's a champion, yeah. We'll talk a bit about the Super Utes because that's why you're essentially here yeah, to promote yeah. a bit of the Super yeah, Utes. Yeah. Um, can you – it, you raced, did you race both the versions of Super Utes or just the current version? Like that? No, I raced, I raced all three of the Utes actually. I raced. So uh, the back ones when they were the Holdens and Fords. Yeah, I raced the Falcon Ute yep. for a year or something like that. And then Blake did it for a year. And then the Turbo Diesel, so the Super Ute year, I think we finished second that first year to roll. Mm. We won the first race meeting of the Super Ute era. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, then the new V8 Super Ute era as well. So, mm. yeah, it's much better. The, this this third generation is, I reckon, better than all the, all the other two, the, all the, the other previous ones. ones, yeah. Can you can you um, explain, like, the like racing when it was what it was at Homebush and, you know what I mean, back when the Super Utes had grids of 40. Well, everyone had grids of 40 back then, but can you explain – like the driving differences because the mags came on here and they were saying like, you know, to Brooke and myself that the Mitsubishis are different to the Colorado and vice versa. Mm. Um, what's it like for like Paul Ryder because you've got Ben Walsh as a teammate. Do you guys work together as a team or are you – because I noticed when I went out there you guys have different testing programs or was that just a one-off? Yeah, because like Walsh is a is a totally different driver to me and I like different things and he likes the, things that I like won't generally work for him so we kind of just stay away from each other when it comes to yeah. that kind of thing we just go our own direction and I think that's what the best thing about having our own team is now that we don't everything is just not like that's the car set up do with it learn to drive it it's now we've got our own thing our own platforms and they sit there nice and separate mm. we're not forced to drive like each other or anything like that yeah so but um yeah so I mean when it comes to testing and things like that. We might try a few things that we've found, but generally, you know, like I, he might like more rear, more front than I, I do. I like to drive it off the rear. He might want 
the car to stop and drive it on the front more than me. So we really we really can't bounce off each other any more than just looking at a speed chase and going, hold on, you know, your 10 k's an hour slower here, why is that, and try and work that out. Mm. Other than that, it's, yeah, we don't really. You both got the same chassis, don't you, though? Yeah, exactly the same chassis. There might be a little bit of age difference, but I don't think there'd be much. Yeah. They're both Toyotas, both probably within a year of each other. The motors are within a year of each other, obviously, because they all come out at the same time. Yeah. Gearboxes. What, what did you think of the – obviously the diesel era got a lot of criticism online, and personally as myself, I wasn't enjoying it, but I enjoyed like the V8 era, which is what Borgie came on and said. Like mm. there was that – but did you mind racing the diesel era or did you, did you just not find it – like fun to drive in terms of like, oh, or was man, it just odd? Anyone that says it's not fun to drive is they really a race car driver. Like I'd race, yeah. I'd race a wheelbarrow if I got to be competitive. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, That's but definitely in 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 the sense of actual driving experience, yeah, the new Utes is <clears> is, is is clouds and clouds above what this one. Even the previous Falcon and Holden, the lap times we're doing already without any development is better than those cars back then. So. <clears> Anyone that says it's not it's not as good as the old, it's just you know give it time. Mm. I need to I need to learn a bit. Of, I like learning about different categories and classes on this podcast. But for the for the Utes, do, do now these days, do you have a tire bank or do you have a certain way of doing the championship? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, so each round they'll give you like say at the start of the year they'll allocate how many tires you can use each round, and you get to take two of your best and mark them as well, just in case you get flat spot and whatever else. Mm. So normally it's six new tyres and you get two of your best marked. So you get eight tyres for the weekend. Mm. Um, and then like places like Bathurst you might get an extra two tyres or something like that. But they're, they're the only, and if you go outside of that, you'll get your grid spend penalties and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard from Tomo and a lot of other people that there's a, like a wreck system in the, in the utes. So they've got to always fill the grid and there's more cars coming. Um, How's that all going now? Because you, you obviously there, there was getting a bit of criticism. Speak about only having twelve cars now. You got eighteen cars. Is the grid growing every round or like? It's definitely growing every round, but I don't think it's as quick. It can't, it can't be as quick as everyone wants it to be because there's some the build time is just so big and and pace don't just develop their their time just to do super utes. You know, what I mean, they're doing so much other stuff as well. So we're kind of a fill in thing for them. Yeah, right. But I'm pretty sure that um, as of like. During the week, I heard whispers that it's maybe twenty-one cars starting, twenty-two cars starting next year. Yeah, so that's going to be um, pretty impressive if we can line up with twenty-two cars because I'm pretty sure that'll even be more cars than Super Two if yeah. you break them down. You know well, what I mean? Got, so got two cars within the one now. That's right, and yeah. then you know why they've done that, obviously, because you know the numbers yeah. aren't there just from one. Yeah. So you know the the, the class is on a on an up and up, and next year is going to be pretty impressive. I didn't realize that Pace actually built those super Ute. Like, so they're building other cars while building the Utes as well to produce. So that's how it's all working essentially. So they're like, yeah. So the Pace thing, yeah. So the Pace, um, they they pretty much fabricate all the the chassis. So as in like the roll cage mm. and everything like that for each particular build, like a make, and then um, and the rear end. So they uh, they weld up like a, a mounting for the diff mm. for each each um, each make. Yep, and then it comes down. The car, so the car will come back with a roll cage in it. Yep, and that's it. And then the teams have to put a diff in front end motors. So the teams still probably do, you know, seventy percent of the work. Mm. Pace just build the main components and the control, all the control bits and pieces like pedal box and things like that mm. is all pace. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. So so, so the so the only original part of the car is essentially is the chassis, is it? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. the rest is built by and pace. the shell and all the bits and pieces. Yeah, so yeah. Right. Why did Western City Motorsport choose to go hypothetically in the Super Two? Not, not. Oh, there you go. Super Two route or the Super Utes? Why did Craig decide to go move from Aussie racing cars to that project? Do you think a bit of momentum there, or I don't know? I don't know that Super Two is kind of the class that would really be. Financially, like as a business point of view as well, I don't think that it would really suit what we what we're about, and um, and I don't think that Tommy would see the value in in a Super Two kind program. of program, you know, up against these Triple Eights and things like that. Like, mm. it's hard to compete if, unless you've got the, the best of the best, you know what I mean. But in these categories, like the Utes and things like that, you can, you know, you can be competitive without having to have a a four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar race car, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So I think that kind of that kind of aspect to it would make it appealing to most, you know. But I know it's not a pathway to supercars, but I don't think at where at my you age, don't think it's a super, you don't think it's a pathway to supercars. No, no, super utes would oh, be. Super you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, anything yeah. more than than a, a support category, like maybe a Porsche or something like that. Yeah. But it's not going to be a development pathway for for drivers for drivers at this stage. Yeah. So you know, I, you know, it's a lot of money to do super two, and mm. you know. But is it, do you feel like there's a lot of growth in utes and something that can be marketed also for a new audience to bring to supercars? Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and that, that was why the category was built the way it is with all the makes and things like that. Commercially, they could go out there and say, okay, we can only have six or seven of this car. You've got to keep having different makes so we can have seven or eight different makes with 30 cars on the grid. Mm. The only downside to that is parity, you know what I mean? Like we've got the motor now, that, that pretty much paratizes all – the, the that the power side of it, but you've still got roll center and yeah. you know so it's all the same motor, is it? Yeah, so we all got the LS three, the six point two liter. Now we've got the same diff, we all got the same gearbox. It's just yeah. the the seal heights and things like that that are going to be different. But yeah, I don't right. mind that because it, you know you don't want parity in motorsport. Parity in motorsport's a little bit boring. Yeah, you want you want someone you want a car that's better at turn seven, but not as good at turn one, and then you want a car that's better at turn one. And turn so you got people passing and you got, you know, th- there's always something going on. If if the cars are all the same, you just follow the leader really, isn't it? <laughs> do you know Gets what I'm boring. saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I totally understand. So it just, it's like Formula One, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, it just turns into the one thing. Yeah. That's, but, what, that's why I found so interesting over lockdown when you guys raced there twice, just the difference in where like – the feel would change. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I don't know, it was just you guys turning up on the day and wanting to beat each other and punch and drive off the track. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, as you said, the parody would just make that boring. Yeah, Do you that's know what right. I mean? That's right. Yeah. So there's a lot more action between the cars as well. Even like yeah. we had Dayton and that on as well. And like they were saying, there's that little bit of punishment the cars take. But for viewers, it's fun to watch. That's but right. without everyone getting hurt at the same time, because you want that as well for you guys. But yeah. it makes it enjoyable to watch. Everyone likes to see that. More passing, the better, mm. you know. And like at the end of the day, eight wheels is mm. you get more grip out of eight wheels than you do four when you're leaning on somebody trying to make the corner. So, you know, people yeah. want to see that shit. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, parity, I don't think 100% parity isn't the way these Utes want to go. I don't think. Yeah. You know, if you want to make it fun. What's the, what's the community like in the Utes, Utes community, though? Like, you guys are a tight knit. You got the mags, you got Richard Mork there. You got kind of like you're all together. What's it like? Like a like a traveling circus. Yeah, every that's weekend. what I was going to say. It's like a circus. Say hey, everyone jumps in. We all have a bit of fun. We all give each other shit. But then if there's something on the track, you know, we come in, we yell and scream at each other. The, you know, there's you know that side of it as well. But we're over it pretty quick. Mm. So you know, it's it's pretty good feel in the category too. You know, so mm. like I said, everyone gets over. If there's something bad that happens, we all have a yell and scream at each other, and you know, we forget about it and move on. But then that you know the next race meeting will be putting shit on the same person next time around. So it's you know yeah it's a good place to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there is there a huge fan base that turns up to the race meeting and gets your autographs? And is there like a little community of fans that turn up that are huge supporters? Yeah, I think it's it's getting better. In the diesel days, there wasn't too much of that. Mm-hmm. Everyone was still kind of bouncing off the old Utes back then. But now. I think the fan base is definitely growing. They can see that they sound better, they drive better, they you know they do everything a race car should do. And now the management side of the Super Utes, they're actually they've actually bring a lady in, Philippa, and she's doing a fantastic job trying to pump it up, trying to pump that socials up, and trying to to take it down different avenues to try and get the category to where it should be. Because mm. it's got a shitload of um, followers on Facebook. It's I think it's got more than Super Two and things like that. But <laughs> I think that's because of the old yeah, U days. It's just rolled over. Yeah. So nobody's hitting the unlike button, so we just got to make sure we keep them interest, interested, eh? Yeah, and she was from, she's got an F1 background, doesn't she, Philippa? Yeah, I think she's got something to do with something overseas, yeah, something IndyCar stuff. Or, yeah. I'm not too sure if it's, if it's Formula 1 or if it's some L Formula 3 and GP2 mm. and, yeah, but I'm not too sure exactly of her background. I've, I've spoken to her, but I don't. I haven't sat down and, you know. Yeah, the whole spiel. She just joined this year, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, the last couple of rounds. I think maybe the last two rounds she's okay. been involved. Yep. And she's made a real difference, you know, you know, to the way the drivers, you know, communicate with the category and the way that the category communicates with the fans. I think she's really done a good job. Does she guys have you more like preparing for on camera, all that sort of thing and 
speaking out, you know, about the category and everything, the way you see supercars and super twos and that, has she got more airtime for you guys? Yeah, yeah that yep. too. So they've got the, you know, they've always got the, the camera out, video and stuff, asking people, having sit-downs, you know, talking personally as well. But then there's the social side of it as well. She's really educating everybody on how to how to approach the, the fan base on that social platform as well and making sure that we're tagging the right way and doing all all the things that really reach the audience that we're trying to reach. So, yeah, yeah. it's been a real life. I have and I should doing a great job. Yeah, no, that's great because socials, mm. as we know, is really important but also very exhausting yeah, at the same yeah. time as, yeah, you, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm flat out doing Facebook just on my personal stuff so yeah. I don't know how they do Instagram and TikTok and all that shit as well. <laughs> that's what Brooke was saying before. She's so I've just hot. joined TikTok. I've been yeah. for years on Facebook and Instagram but I feel like I'm like, you know, when you've reached a certain age and you're too old for the club, like mm. in my late 30s, and now I feel like I'm way too old for TikTok. I've entered this club and I'm like, oh, my yeah. God, this is like a rodeo compared to Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so old for <laughs> it's like going back to school, you know, yeah. Twelve, yeah. That's it. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not meant to be here. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, I got to ask with Richard Mork. Um, he's 75 and still racing Utes. What do you think of him in the paddock? Because he's an old supercars privateer. Is he, is he a bit of fun in the paddock? Oh, he's heaps of fun. Eh? Don't get caught having a chit chat with him, eh? I don't think <laughs> you've got enough time. But he, he always has great stories. He's got plenty, plenty to say, and oh, I reckon the cool. He's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. Even even chatting to him about family stuff away from motorsport, he's yeah, you know, he's always got something to talk about and he's always got some experience to to kind of tell and you know, and he, like you said, he's done supercars and he'll tell you that he's done supercars on the super string budget <laughs> and he's the only guy to win a national championship with no new tires and all those kind of fun little things that he does, but we love him, mate. He's a champion guy. Keeps you on your toes yeah. out there on the track. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a cool dude. He is. He's pretty amped. I got. I got to also ask Paul Rydick. He he's, he was a ex go karter himself, and he's as I said way back in the conversation. He helped like mature Tomo's team. How'd that whole team like grow from the Aussie race cars? Did Tom is is Craig more so like the Phil Gould type of aspect for the team now? Because he stepped back from racing. So how does he approach it for you two guys now that? That he's got Ben and yourself, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess he oversees everything that that goes on outside of like obviously he's he's flat out doing his own thing with with Hertz and Thrifty and all that kind of stuff. But when he just does have some spare time, he's he's the one pulling the trigger when it comes to you know what we're doing and what development we're doing or what car, what direction we're doing or what cars we're going to have on the grid mm. coming up and all those kind of things. But Paul Roddick is the kind of guy that that gets the cars to where they need to be. Yeah. And even he's really good at getting the drivers where they need to be too. Like, you know, like it might not be the car and sometimes as a driver you're always guilty of blaming the car when it's not the car and he can, he's got this knack of pulling you aside and going, I'll do this to the car but we need to kind of do this at the same time and it kind of usually works. So that's why I think that, that me personally, I bounce really well off him because he's he kind of sits down and goes, oh, you know, put you in your place sometimes of where you need to be in – a roundabout way without being too aggressive about it. So mm. I reckon having him in, in the team is really um, allows Tomo to concentrate on his business a lot more and yeah. he takes care of the day-to-day, but he doesn't do anything outside of of building the team. Yeah, right. So Paul Rydak essentially runs it and, and Craig oversees it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's just the head guy in there doing making all the calls and I guess you know if he makes the wrong call, it's – it lays on his shoulders, so it's probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Was it your call to put the pant- the colours on the car or was it Tomo's? No, nah, that's all Tomo. That's yeah, all Tomo. Because yeah. <laughs> I notice it's on your, just on your car essentially and his and Tomo's car when he races. Yeah. Well, the, the Western Sydney motorsport colours, I don't know if this has got the colour. Yeah, yeah. So the Western, they're Penrith colours now anyway, so the logos had a change up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we've gone full penish now, yeah. Yeah, shit, I probably won't get a drive because that little. <laughs> yeah, no, you'd probably damage you. Any chance that you had, eh? That name Benish. is off yeah. the list. It's gone. Been blacklisted. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, seriously, what's after your, your, like your ute stuff, do you want to have any future in any other racing goal? Do you have any other really racing goals? Do you want to race Super 2 or the 12 hour or are you just like a casual racer? Just I'd love hard? to do something else, but I don't really want to go and put my family's future on the line just to go and race a supercar or do something like that. If the chance come up, the opportunity come up to go and do something and 
and not have to go and put your your own money on the line with like a $100,000 insurance policy or something like that. I've got no interest in, in doing those kind of things, but definitely I would never say no that I don't want to do anything like that, like a, you know, something in the GTs, in endurance racing or something like that, or even, you know, if you could get your way into being some kind of wild card in the in the supercar the Bathurst or something like that yeah. as a co-driver or something like that would be cool as well, but... I've got no interest in doing that, like as a full-time gig. Nah. But would you have the kids do it in the future? Yeah, look, we've still got go-karts hanging on the wall and things like that. I dare say that they'll probably probably end up taking ownership of down the track. They're pretty excited already. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think think, um, Maddie gets more excited going racing than I do sometimes. Really? Yeah, like if you say to her, where do you want to go? We're coming home from school, going home. And she'll go, okay, do you want to go shop? She goes, no, I want to go racing. I go, mate, it's dark. We're going home. Like, <laughs> can't go racing. I like the enthusiasm. It's starting young and we're getting yeah, in there. She's going to get out of showering out of bed. What, yeah. what about? So you're already preparing the kids to essentially go racing already yeah, in carts? maybe. Maybe, maybe yeah. I've got to ask this, Claire. Is, have you given Claire a go in the car or she played like, um, a, like on a drive day thing or anything like that or not, not really? Not cars. She does have her own go-kart and that. And she does. She done a fair bit of stuff at, in, at Combined Districts. Yeah, really? Back when, yeah, I was on supercarts and that, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> she's pretty handy. Yeah. Yeah, I think she, I, I've never won a club championship in the go-karts, but she done, she won that ladies thing there. Oh, that's really? awesome. Oh. So, yeah. Wait, you should get her on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Some real potential. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get Brooke behind the wheel. Do you reckon we should get her behind yeah. the wheel and give her oh. a go? I want to, but like out. we all keep saying, I'm like, oh, when I get more money, maybe. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like my other sports, like jump into fight sports, I'm like, I can afford that. Mm. <laughs> Just jump in a go-kart or something, eh? Just yeah, that's what he wants to get out. me in, in that yeah. Rotax. And I said, yeah, all right, we'll have to get me in there. It's you and Bart want me in. <laughs> it's a good laugh, eh? You need a couple of days off afterwards to rest the yeah. ribs and stuff like that. <laughs> It's always pretty hard work, eh? Yeah. What would a championship mean for Western City Motorsport? Because you've been so close, like, for at least four or five years. Yeah. And you've been the bridesmaid, much like myself. What would it mean for Tomo for you to, like, win a championship because you got such a good, like, friendship with him? Yeah, I think the friendship too and, like, he's invested everything that, you know, we have at the moment into into me and into the other boys and things like that as well. So it would be great to repay that with a championship. I think that's the end goal at the end of the day. It's not... Nothing about egos or anything like that. It'd just be f- for us to walk away with the championship together. Would be um would be something special. And I think that's what we're trying to aim at here. But you know, as you know, luck is a is a big thing in motorsport. And if you if you ain't got luck, you know, you, all you got is bad luck. Sometimes that's that's the card you got. You just yeah. got to keep rolling with it. It'll change sooner or later. And <laughs> so, Craig, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, and I have a game every time at the end of the podcast. And it's it's interesting. You could actually win your you could actually win your wife and your kids a prize tonight mm-hmm. on the podcast, right? You get five questions correct, and you get like chocolate, wine. If you get zero correct, you get like a bogey prize. It's still good, so the kids could play with a bogey prize. Um, so the fast five is five questions. You get them all correct, and so we'll start with number one. What year was the Penrith Panthers founded? Nineteen sixty-seven. 67 or 1966, is it? Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I'll give you that one. Is it 1967? 1966. Is it 66? You got 66, didn't you? It's on Wikipedia on 66. Okay. Actually, hang on. You know what? We've got Claire on the phone here. (laughs) She's like, let me sort this out. We're going to phone a friend here. I was like, damn, that's impressive. From now, straight to (laughs) Straight to the question. Yeah, I knew it. Knows his trivia on the Panthers. What's it say, Claire? We're getting a second opinion. What does it say? Bullshit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> December 31, mate. Yeah. 1966. That's okay. bullshit. Next one. What year did the former NRL player Jack Ellsgood win the V8 Utes Championship? Oh, shit. Um, 2000. And? The last time he won it? Or? Yeah, the last time he won it. Yeah. 2007. Oh, oh. 2008. 2009. Is it? Oh, oh, no. Damn, I'm going to have to give you like a prize, which is like, yeah. into, like, oh, I'm like, this is like, impressive. It's pretty close. It's wrong. I don't know. It's hard. Anyway, you're wrong. Next you're one. Wrong. What year did Bathurst run a 24 hour endurance race? And it was two years in a row in the early 2000s. I'll be yeah. right. 2002. And? 2003. Mm. Yes. 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 Yeah. Right. Brooke, what is it? Is it leading towards a good prize? Or? I, I think so. Okay. I think this is All right. 
How many Viet Supercar Championships has Jamie Wincup won? Jamie Wincup, seven, isn't it? Seven. Oh, Far out. He's, He's on good fire. Good at trivia. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even like Triple Eight. I like motorsport. And the last last one, which you will definitely be winning a great prize t- tonight on the podcast. What year did Penrith-born James Courtney win the V8 Supercars Championship? Oh, shit. 2000 and... With Dick Johnson Racing. Yeah, Dick Johnson Racing, one at Homebush. Yeah. 2012? 10. Oh. So close. What was it, four out of five that he got? Oh, I think we're close we're to... We're close uh, enough. Yeah. Right. yeah. What have we got? Jeez, what have we got here? Some Hennessy XO or something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I got some uh, old gold though. Very right. Happy days. We ran out of chocolate at home last night, so that's And fight for it on the way home. Yeah. Happy days. <laughs> Thank you, boss. No worries. Thank you. Well, Craig, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Yeah. And um, I'm just astonished in how you just do everything, to be honest. How you keep everything running and running your business, your car racing, your mm. family. It's just been awesome to have you on the podcast. Sometimes man. I don't know if I'm coming or going. Claire can vouch for that. Sometimes we're having a conversation, I'm just looking straight ahead, but we get it all done in the end, eh? Yeah. Life's so, a journey and let's live it. Yeah. Thank you for all yeah. of you for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Good fun. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.